Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined by Tom Kennett. And for this episode, we're going to be taking a look at the newly released Amazon documentary, Arsenal All or Nothing. The last episode that we get this week then, and that actually kickstarts with us playing Brentford at home. Now, my main issue with this episode was we got some fantastic celebrations from both Saka and Smith Rowe here, and they don't show either. <laughs> they just showed the final goal by Brentford. And I didn't get to relive that. But we, the team talk here is Arteta shows... Tony's tweet. <laughs> this broke me. <laughs> I actually quite like that. Well, I, I I put here it broke me, but that absolutely should be used whenever any player does that. Any manager should be using that. He's he's absolutely right too. So I can remember Lacazette tweets after the game. Nice kick about with the boys. Excellent stuff. And I saw someone yesterday saying, uh, this morning, sorry, this now gives uh uh, context to why about uh, Lacazette tweeted this. Well, we all knew why he tweeted this. Yeah, <laughs> what? Um, Jesus. Yeah, I don't think Tony did anything wrong by tweeting it. I don't think Tony is going to be kept up at night by the fact that we laughed at it after beating them. Uh, and I also, as much as I saw people saying it was petty by Arteta, it is. But at the same time, I imagine players are fueled far more by the thought of being disrespected and laughed at than they are at, look, this is Brentford. We're on a good run here. Yeah, no, he should be going, look, the Brentford strikers laughing at you here. Do something about it. That's absolutely, it's, it's perfect motivational tool. Like I said, I thought it was funny from our, uh, Tony when he did it. Yeah. And then I thought it was funny when, you know, the guns turned on him. That's kind of the way it goes. In the same way as um, the Fulham admin doing the, just that picture of the pitch being watered for them yeah. for the game. I thought that is a, a really good tweet. And these admins are normally stupid because they get, they try and think they're too much of a comedy account and it doesn't work. But that was literally just a picture of the pitch being watered the other day. I thought, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. Um, yeah. I, I looked at the players after the game and I was surprised by how dejected they were. I'm glad you said this. I had to check you'd beaten Bradford because I was thinking... It's like a funeral in it. Did they lose? Well, Arteta bounces back in like David Brent when he gets up with <laughs> Tina Turner on. And it's like he can't believe he's not got he's not got anyone to celebrate with. He's having to come on, come on. And again, he's... it's a it's a perfect read on what the players need at that point, though. Yeah. Because if they come in jubilant, I don't doubt Arteta goes in and goes, we can see the late goal here. On another day, we can throw that away. And he, and he does the opposite, you know what I mean? So, again, it's, it's, again, he's read the room well, I think. And do you think there's... Well, a... I, I, did have to, I did have to check. I was thinking, did <laughs> they lose? Did they lose this game? Do you think there's anything in that the players are doing what they think Arteta wants to see as well? It's a very cynical view. Well, it, just in that, do the, do the players, the standards that Arteta set for them at this point... Do they think they should be jumping about and celebrating and doing this and that, or maybe? Well, that's it. 
that's a I guess there's there's two directions you're going down there. Look. One is are they basically going on oh, we've been a little disappointed to impress the boss, or is it has he actually impacted these stands yeah. and then going, No, we should be better than that. I would probably go with that second one. It did seem a genuine reaction. Yeah. So uh it, it was odd, wasn't it? I would, you'd normally expect that from the keeper and the defence to go, oh, we've conceded a late one. We've ruined a clean sheet, that we're heartbroken. And then but the midfield and attackers probably don't care as much. But it did seem like, like, like I said, that like he was like heartbroken. What that's which, a good, uh, which is a good thing, I guess, because it, he was uh, taking up a leadership role at this point. And it shows a some winning cons- mentality, I suppose. Shows some consistency with Ramsdale because he obviously did the same after the Villa game. Yeah. Um, with with some of it, they said after the game that look, Arsenal won, but it was a disappointing performance. It wasn't that at all. The big thing with this game was we'd just got the big win against Wolves and it was well this only ma- this only means anything if we then go and beat Brentford and I think I probably said to you at the time as I did throughout the season it would be very Arsenal now to go and drop points to Brentford at home like it did when we'd beaten someone then we drew a Burnley at home yeah and so there was this nervous energy in the stadium but it was all Arsenal the whole game until the last like 10 minutes where Brentford just decided okay we may as well have a go here and yeah. they score that goal pretty much out of nothing and then everyone was like, oh, God, as has happened a lot this season, now we're hanging on for the last couple of minutes. And I'm pretty sure they miss a decent chance after that as well. Um, but yeah, they literally just had a good end to the game. Other than that, there was the control by Arsenal throughout that I thought he probably would have been quite happy with, but they didn't seem to agree. Yeah, yeah, I was a little bit surprised at the mood in, in the dressing room after that. But look, um, if you're going to hammer them, when they take uh, a group picture because they've won, then you've probably got to give respect that they're not happy when they do get a win. There's, you know. Yeah. Um, we then get a little segment on Lacazette where we've had segments on different players throughout. This one on Lacazette was interesting. Um, I mean, it starts with him kind of being the joker. He's sticking on Smith Rowe for his shoes. And then, how does Smith Rowe basically talk him into liking? Yeah, <laughs> even seconds. He's like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. He's like, it's the black and the white, isn't it? And he's like, the white with the black. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking, by the way, just a slight segue. Smith Rowe getting his Nando's in the last episode. You yeah, must have been happy. Yeah. With him, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Boach texted me because he was watching him in the day, and I had to keep saying, "Don't give me any spoilers. I'm going to watch this when I get home." Hmm. And he messaged me saying they're they're bantering Smith Rowe here saying uh, how is he going to cope that uh, his mum's going away does he have his chef and I said well they did actually get him a chef because he seems to just think he could go to Nando's five days a week (laughs) and he said well he's just said on here actually that he's going to go for a Nando's sounds like we're dropping spoilers on you that's a big part of the episode is even then you knew it was a sign when one of the players knew his order off my heart okay we know we know what he's up to I don't want to do a deep dive on Smith Rose Nando's order, but the chips is should he be having chips in the week? <laughs> He's an active lad, you'll run him off, I think. I'm sure he would, but even still, don't be having Maybe that too many times a week. Stick to the rice. Get that on there. We don't know if he's having the cheesecake after or anything. Getting a bit too uh well, his rewards card is probably mental. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I don't want him telling Lacazette about the lovely fast food places around either. Bad enough when a Conquo bought him a six pack of Krispy Kremes. 
Like, it's like, oh, so you can have a bottomless <laughs> full fat coat? Uh, yeah, a theme with this episode, I was so tired of hearing Chris Sutton, Jamie O'Hara, and Gabby Agbon Lahore. <laughs> because Sutton, I do think, I think he believes some of what he says. But he does give you this smirk where he realizes he's being an idiot. Yeah, yeah, I think I think he knows most of what Lahore, it's like he's everything he says is entirely for reaction. So there's nothing that you can ever agree with. And so it's just irritating the whole time to listen to him. I saw him doing this week. United would be lucky if they could get Arnautovic over Sancho. I know I'd much rather have him my team, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, what are you saying? He's saying today that Arsenal should be cashing in on Ben White. Waste of money. They've realised that already. That's why they played him at right back. It's just... I can't believe that these people are in the... Well, I can't believe, but... I think Agbon Lahore, when he signed his new contract, said, thanks to the people that hate me, you're the you're the reason this is possible. This is why I have them blocked. Yeah. But trying to enjoy a bit of Arsenal. and They start popping up. Yeah, it's they're easy though, aren't they? Because they have obviously have to put some sort of dubbed like criticism over it, and so it's going to be people like them on there. I've, I've never really. Been... <laughs> yeah, that would have been quite something if it had this bastard manager. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I've never been able to get too wound up by the likes of like Bonnevoir and Lahara, just because they are quite clearly simultaneously thick and doing it for a reaction. So I've never quite been able to get that. I actually wrote in my notes, Laka looks red hot in trading. And then the next thing the narrator says, but he does only have three league goals. And then he just blazes <laughs> one over the bar and I just crossed it out. And then you've got Steve Brown talking to him about his positioning. Maybe you don't start with Benzema. <laughs> yeah. Maybe start with Higuain. <laughs> yeah. I want Steve Brown gives him the nicest, it's the nicest sort of put down of a player you're ever going to see where he's basically just telling him yeah you do actually have to get some goal scoring <laughs> positions at times yeah if you move a bit yeah. and, uh, the reason they use this now is for the next game we, because, we get, I know it's hard because sometimes you know you, you're passing the ball but can you try and get in the box as well well he says doesn't he don't just move once maybe if the second <laughs> or third movement is what does it yeah I, I was as you said, I was enjoying it when he goes, Look, you've got to be a bit better. Yeah. Here's Benzema. Oh, <laughs> thanks for that. Let's get we some more Thierry on reclips out. We then prep for Wolves at home and Arteta does this thing and just the thought of getting a squad of football players in like a classroom for a lecture is still so spinny to me just to imagine them actually doing yeah. this. But Arteta draws the part of the pitch that Wolves break in and where they're the most dangerous and mentions a £5,000 fine if Wolves get it in that area. Xhaka then pipes up and says, what about the opposite? And he pauses for a second when Arteta says what? Like he thinks, I should not be making a joke here. (laughs) (laughs) And then Arteta says, oh, the opposite. Oh, how you make the money. (laughs) Ha ha, good one, Granite. Yeah, there is a palpable tension, <laughs> sort of funny how sort of tension in the room at that point. And then when yeah. he cracks, oh, okay, it's all, it's all right. We can I'll tell you what, though, the, when even when, because Arteta's clearly, I'm, I'm guessing, joking with the 5K fine thing, it's a bit of a gag. The lads are all shitting themselves at that. Ben White's looking like, <laughs> yeah. 5K? You what? 
and then, and then if we had drama before, we go into Arteta saying, look, I was going to use what they said about you last week, but have you seen what's happening in Ukraine? <laughs> I, was, I, I couldn't believe it. Just the idea that he's brought that up. And he's asked the boys how they felt about it. It's like, come on, we're about to go into a game. Well, they? he eventually then says, look, this could happen here tomorrow. So make sure you go and beat Wolves now. That because you don't want to be regretting this. <laughs> because obviously the first thing we're going to be thinking about if we're ever in a war invaded is, oh, fuck, I'm sh- we didn't get the game in Wolves. In. That's a shame. Well, he scares the shit out of uh, Gabriel. That back pass he does. <laughs> that's clearly the reason. Also, just before they go, who's the who's a coach? The initials were SF on his uh, on his it's, jacket. Uh, he's he's the head of sports science. Because he goes ready for the fight. Let's go, men! Yeah. And I've yeah. never heard anyone in a football contest. Let's go, men! Yeah, and he's very uh, matter of fact about it. His name's uh, Shad Forsyth. And okay, I only know that from Football Manager because I always sack him. Um, but I'm almost certain it, it's to do with physiotherapy and sports science. I remember being on the tube to a game before, and I think it was with I think it was with Troy actually, and I think it was before the Emirates Cup where Sonogo scored four, right. and we're all sat, and the three of us have just realised that we've spotted an Arsenal scout on the tube purely <laughs> because we've played so much Football Manager, and it was Daniel Carvassiun. Um, and so I always felt bad sacking him after that. I used to keep him on. Before you had a rapport. Yeah, exactly. Didn't say anything to him. <laughs> Didn't even make eye contact, just <laughs> recognised him. Um, so this game, we get into halftime, Arsenal are 1-0 down. We hadn't won from behind under Arteta at this stage. And he points that out to them and says, at some mm. point in this run, you are going to have to win in bad moments. He brings on Enketia and Pepe. Looking back at my tweets, I was pretty unhappy with that decision. And then Enketia assists Pepe, and it's like it was made just for the documentary. Yeah, yeah, almost by design. The uh, I was pretty stunned that he did bring up the you haven't come from behind thing at that point. I thought, that's a, that's yes, a got ballsy it, yeah. call. <laughs> yeah. Is it like... The players must know that deep down, so maybe he assumes that and is saying this is the this is the time. Yeah, I I do just wonder, even in a a mentally strong squad, I do think that would just play on your mind a bit to the yeah. point where it'd probably be a weight and a, and a pressure rather than a, a help. But, well, the no, big thing, the big thing on top of that was that Wolves hadn't lost a game from mm-hmm. leading either. Wolves, I think it was if they were leading at half time, they didn't lose. And so it was even bigger when they were showing that up on the screen and it turns it around. They get the dramatic music going early. And then you get this Lacazette goal, don't you? And it's what a moment. Well, not even a Lacazette goal, but great moment. Yeah, you're right. They did they did up the ante with the dramatic music on this one. I was thinking, is there this is there more on this game than I remember? Well, uh... If you remember the feeling around this game was that Arsenal had just shown that they were Champions League caliber. Like the the commentary is Peter Drury says, uh, a goal worth millions, this feels like a Champions League night at the Emirates. Cheers, it, was on, it was on every compilation after that. It had everyone so pumped up. 
and you saw the atmosphere in the game after in the where the fans were staying behind to chant and sing by far the greatest team and all of this. I think this was the moment that everyone did start to believe, even if they didn't want to say it out loud, mm. or it was at least the moment where the pundits started to switch and now say the expectation was that we should get top four. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, we then see some more training. The mood around the place is uh, changed. Rock, paper, scissors to decide press-ups. I'd have been over the moon. <laughs> No press-ups for me. And then we get this kind of, as you said, at home with the Artetas. Mm. And I think it's Arteta that says it. And the quote really did stick with me because, I mean, it was just so true in which he says, respect is determined by results. Yeah. And that really, um, no more than, no more so than with him, I would say. It's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, because to sort of the flip side of that, they showed that fan earlier in the episode where he doesn't help out the look of the fans, but yeah, I know there's something to it. Where he goes, <laughs> it's hit or miss. One minute is great, and you think he's going to take us to the Champions League. The next minute, it's Arteta out. It's like, <laughs> that's an unfortunate depiction of the fans, but I can see there but is very some accuracy accurate. to what yeah. he's saying. Yeah, yeah, because obviously we do the podcast every week. Um, my opinion when I'm speaking with just Arsenal fans, some of the flip-flopping you would see throughout. And it could be where I would speak to someone one week and I'd be the one in and the the other one would be the one out. And it would flip the next week. <laughs> you never know who It was Man be. City. It was Man City we lost to. But yeah, but it's just, we got to be beating these teams. If you want Every week. Um, I think these, the documentary does do the, the fans do it in terms of it seems like they are very heavily Arteta in a heavy Arteta yeah, But these yeah. games also show how you could end up in either of those camps quite easily. Absolutely. Because there is such a, a contrast in some of them. Arteta's wife saying that he'll go and coach kids playing on the beach. <laughs> yeah, that was... <laughs> that was such... She was, had a smile on her face, but there was a... She must have been thinking, what the fuck? Is this guy going to have a fucking week off? Please. Imagine... You're trying to have a kickabout with your mates on the beach and Arteta's coming over. Good. Your body shape is all wrong. <laughs> you should be facing him up. You're going off crying. I've got some non-negotiables. If you don't like it, you go back to your fucking mum and dad and have an ice cream. <laughs> explaining, explaining to your mum, what I need is intensity. And <laughs> I didn't see that in his eyes. And that's why I'm sending it back to you. He's drawing stuff in the sand to be like, journey <laughs> or destination, lads? Which do you think is more important? The tide comes in, you see? That's how quickly things can change. And you need to remember that. Any one of us could have drowned just now. Uh, Arteta's kids start doing impressions of him. I did not expect their accent. It was more spinny than Bellerin's. Yeah, that was confusing, wasn't it? <laughs> also, I bet him and Edu will have the most fantastic barbecue. See the size of them steaks he was doing? I was about to say, fucking hell. Those kids don't know their ball. He's going in. Yeah, he was enjoying himself that. He's also <laughs> clearly got he's also clearly running the show at home as well because yeah. the kid boots a ball that basically snaps a bit of the barbecue. Not, it doesn't really hesitate, it doesn't really blink. And um Arteta's wife is asked, Well, how how do you feel when sometimes the fans say some quite horrible things like they, they want him to be sat they want him to um, lose his job and she says, Well, they don't want you to be sacked, they want you to die. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
I she did seem very much like a female version of Arteta in some ways, though. She was very matter of fact about that. Didn't yes. really sort of be like, oh, yeah, it's heartbreaking. She was like, yeah, this is kind of part of the job. I was like, okay. For them to be together for that long, she, she has to not only <laughs> yeah understand his intensity, but she probably has a level of intensity herself. Like, I bet if those kids are told they need to be in by seven, like they're in at six fifty. Like, yeah. there's there's no messing. Non-negotiables at home, and it it does do a good job of of showing another side of Arteta. I wrote down him a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I wrote down in my notes, and it was for a previous episode that. It, it almost comes across just like he cares too much. And that's something that we think we would want in a manager, but it could be to your detriment if you are just so emotional all of the time. And he does feel like there's no decision that he makes half-heartedly. Oh, yeah, he's he's fully invested, isn't he? But, uh, but look, the, the, the best managers are, aren't they? But they can't switch off. Yeah. So if he is going to be what some hope he's going to be, that is going to have to be his personality. Yeah. In, in contrast, I know I've gone in on him a bit, but just before this bit of Arteta, there's a conversation with him and Edu. And Edu looks genuinely stunned at how Arteta works and how much he works. And he's, yeah. like, he's going to do 15 hours. And Edu's like, what sounds tiring? <laughs> he laughs and he says, yeah, go on, do it. <laughs> yeah. More, he may as well say, rather you than me, mate, as he's walking off. What? Edu doing the uh, like MTV cribs, like the equivalent of where they go, you know, this this bed, this is where the magic happens. He's like, this is where I have to do some work if I have to stay late and do some um <laughs> Yeah, uh, if Arteta's wife's just saying um that like he never switches off, but Edu's wife's like, I wish he'd get out and do something. <laughs> well, he's sick of him being around. His kids are doing impression, don't they? And they say, just five more minutes with um Arteta. And, yeah. I mean, as we said with Edu. He loved the contract termination so so much that he agreed one for his son. <laughs> well, I saw he was on the bench for Watford uh, last week, so maybe he was he was told like he was shit at Arsenal, so maybe he was pulled a few strings. Well, he's obviously inherited his dad's gene where you can be shit at your job, but just convince enough people <laughs> yeah. to keep you in employment. The next uh, um, penultimate segment leads up to Liverpool at home. If you didn't know, you'd probably think, is this team just constantly playing Liverpool? <laughs> we just can't move for a Liverpool match. We've got this uh, film session with the defence. Mm. Genuine question. How did Tomiyasu and Tavares understand the lessons enough to instill a game plan? Because their English is basic at best. Yeah, I got the impression Tavares probably had a little bit more than he was willing to show on camera, actually. Um Tommy, Tommy Asu, obviously, I, I couldn't doubt you because we haven't seen. I would assume English next to none. I think his might be better than Tavares. Oh, really? Okay, fair enough. The, um, yeah, I, I guess if they've got a very basic understanding, it's, I think it's fair to say Arteta's quite visual with how he does things, so <laughs> yeah. I guess you could you could go off that. Um, if it's really bad, I imagine they'll probably have a translator to their side, I guess, won't they? Yeah. We, we say a lot about how perception is such a huge thing in Unai Emery was really mocked for his hand movements and his gestures and how animated he was. And it does just show the energy that you command, I guess, the rest of the time really can determine how, I guess, how then the other elements of your game are are, uh, are received. Because there's a certain amount of people that are always just going to refer to him as Pep's cone man and this and that. But yeah. 
the general perception is that he's quite an analytical guy. He's very serious. And Unai Emery never had that. No. Let's say it's been the main thing that's kind of... You've never had, even though under Arsenal, at their worst under Arteta, worse than under Emery, certainly in terms of league position anyway, um, you never quite had the level of vitriol towards him, but also the pressure on him. I think there was always a bit of a, this could come good. Whereas Arsenal fans just never believed in Emery pretty quickly early on, I think, established. They didn't think he was the guy. It's just a strength of Arteta's personality. It's obviously... He's a manages to sort of uh, give you just a little bit, even if there's just five percent of you thinking, okay, maybe this can work. Yeah, you you could put the uh, every big win highlights in front of Donny Brasco, and he'd tell you it's a fugazi every time with every, and it did feel like that. Um, Arteta does at least convince you that his big wins are very much planned. Um, did Arteta go too far when he's even teaching the camera operators about the rabbit and the duck? <laughs> I I almost had to turn off. I I genuinely because it's like the grin. See, the grin. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> like you see him realize what he's about to do. He's like, you know what? I'll show you this. And then the, when you see the rabbit and the duck, you're like, I can't believe he's doing this. I've got to say, the moment he said, "I need everyone to see the rabbit." There was a part of me that was like, you know what? I get what you're saying here. I really do. I'm in with you here. I get the point he's making. Everything before when he said, I'll show you a picture. It was... and, then he, and then he clearly planned that because he had the remote control. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, ready. Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah, that's, that was incredible to me. And that... <laughs> I, I guess, though, that kind of did make me think he's enjoying the camera a bit here because there's <laughs> yeah. no real need to do this. Right? No. Everything else you could say, look, even if it's a bit out there, he's motivating the team one way or another. It's what he's trying to do. Whereas this was, I mean, if you wanted to call him Brent, <laughs> this was probably the one you would use because he's really enjoying this <laughs> one-to-one time with the camera. Probably the closest to the Jose one where he paces around the office and then says, fuck off at the TV. And it was like, you probably did about three takes of this. <laughs> and this yeah. is probably similar with Arteta. Um, well, I think he probably does think it's very endearing at, at the bare minimum. Um, because even when he's asked to describe himself, if if someone asked me to do that, I'd probably be very self-depreciating and I'd make a joke out of it where he's like, dependable, uh, inspiring or whatever. Um <laughs> Or whatever it is he says, but it's it's not how I would describe myself. <laughs> yeah, he gave a uh, kind of yeah, almost a job interview kind of answer yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, we then go on to a little segment about Ben White, and Kaluya says on there that Ben White had struggled to win over the Arsenal fans, and in fact, I think it's kind of I the did... opposite. Yeah, I, I, I feel like sure Ben White. Even still, and I, I, I'm not even going to say his name, that Chelsea clown on TalkSport tweeting during the Palace game, like, Ben White's just not a very good footballer, is he? That was odd, yeah. When, before we signed him, he was getting pretty much universal praise right up until he was in the England squad. Mm. And Gabriel was on the score sheet more times. I actually think Ben White was probably our most consistent defender of the last year. And I think most Arsenal fans, and there's a 
portion that mainly because of how much they like Saliba, no matter how much they'd seen of him, now put Ben White down. But I think he's brilliant. Uh, I've warned you at this point. I don't think anybody had questioned him in the Arsenal fan base that I'd seen anyway. No, it's just, the, I mean, the 50 million thing is the 50 million thing, but hmm. what? He's English. He's just come back from the World Cup, whether he'd played or not. And Brighton get the cash they want, as we've seen with Cucurella. Um And I maintain, I at the time, I didn't see that as the egregious spending. It, it no. was a bit of an overspend, but I was looking at, and I've been proven wrong on it, but the Ramsdale one, thinking, yeah. what the hell are they dropping £30 million on him? Yeah. And I was like, well, everyone's focused on this Ben White deal. I was like, oh, that doesn't seem to be egregious overspend. That's what the keeper does. The, the, the bigger issue is that people can't warm to him is is the well, thing. Was, yeah. Mm. And it's not me. I've actually really liked everything I've seen from him in this documentary. I think his voice doesn't help. It, it's, it's very... He talks Middle like class. he can't be bothered <laughs> to be speaking with you. Like He seems like a moody teenager, I yeah. thought. He's, he's got a bit of a whiny voice is probably how I'd mm. describe it. But, yeah, I mean, it's quite a nice... Story him by the way, him saying that his dad doesn't like football, but his mum used to go in goal and he just kicked the ball at her, and that's how he eventually realized that that's he's good pretty at crazy. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Everything you hear about him, just his, his fitness, the precautions he takes, uh, I mean, his availability is, has been immaculate bar the end of last season when we just had such a small squad. And to jump ahead a bit, and then we'll do the Liverpool game after. Again, these meetings with Carlos Cuesta are among the best things we've seen in this interview. His player management is impeccable. He knows exactly the right thing to say. He seems to get the message across. And there's someone I work with in I don't believe this to be the thing, but he essentially says you can give someone a praise sandwich and if you put the criticism between the two pieces of praise, you can get away with anything. Now, I'm not sure that's entirely accurate, but that's pretty much what Carlos Cuesta does in these. He gives you, you're the best player in the world at this, but just watch these six clips. This is what I need you to improve on. Yeah, yeah. But just to insist again, you are fantastic. And it does seem to really work with the players, and I'm sure there's a lot more we see off camera as well. Yeah, yeah, I thought this one was maybe his best one actually. I thought, um, as you touched on, on on last week when we were doing some of the episodes, um, probably does help. I think his age does help. He does seem like he can relate to the players. Um, they seem to get along well with him, don't they? Because as much as I, I don't have any problem with Ben White, I imagine approaching him with some critique would be a tricky one. I think that would be difficult. I don't think he's sort of be that receptive to it, but he, he does it in a right way. Before that meeting, doesn't he? He says, I know when I've made a mistake. I don't need anyone else to point that out to me. I'm well aware. Yeah. And I was looking at that and thinking, that's... whilst I kind of, there's some admiration, for that, there is also a certain, like, you need to be coached. Um, but I thought as much as he said that, he was very receptive to what Cuesta says. And they even do another thing, uh, don't know about what he does in the Liverpool game. Yeah. And he's very open and analytical about his own mistakes and, and improving or whatever. So, yeah, I thought any concerns you might have had about him, I thought were pretty quickly washed away. 
Yeah, Arteta has spoken previously about just how well and how quick he learns. And I think it was in an interview with German TV after the Palace game. The interviewer says, like, how, how well do you think Ben White did after uh, facing one of the trickiest guys in the league? And Arteta laughs like, yeah, he absolutely was against one of the trickiest guys and I couldn't be prouder of the way he dealt with him. Mm. And he's asked by someone else, should we read much into the fact that Ben White's been shifted out there for Saliba? And he says, no, not at all. It's just, if anything, it's a credit to Ben that we felt he could do that kind of job out. And Cuesta says in that meeting, doesn't he, that the speed at which you learn, like they've never, it's probably his best quality, the way in which he can pick things up. And I imagine probably the thing that's best for him and why he does have a fairly consistent level of form. Like he's had games where he's been rash, but our whole defense has had that. I think the fact that he probably does switch off from football better than anyone else in that squad when he leaves the pitch is probably something that helps him more than anything else. And that's probably why he's able to analyze himself as deeply as he does and why he's able to improve because he probably sees the game differently than other people do. Yeah, it's a good point. Probably not too sort of too close that you can't see the wood for the trees. Um, yeah, I, I I find it odd that people would criticise him as a player. I I don't think people are ever going to fully warm to him properly. I just don't think he's that sort of character. Um, well, of all the replies, sorry, I wouldn't say he's a bad guy. For example, I think he's definitely and oh. really clearly very professional and hardworking, and probably one of the best trainers you've got. I'm sure. Uh, but I, I just think in a sit-down interview like he does, yeah. I don't think he's ever going to be as relaxed and, and sort of open and funny and stuff as someone like, you know, a Ramsdale or whatever, yeah. or a sort of wholesome as like a Saka or whatever. Just I think he's going to have a guard up, which probably most people do if they have a camera shove on their yeah. face. Yeah, the, the, the Mirror put a thing up. They put an article of like, ex-Aston Villa ace says Arsenal should look for their receipt for £50 million defender or whatever. And I, I didn't go any deep. I just clicked the, the comments. So I wanted to see if the response was negative towards Agbon Lahore or towards White. And like the second comment I see is, like, I've had an issue with this guy uh, since he signed for Arsenal. I don't even think he's in the top 10 best English defenders in the league. And it's like, these people, he's never going to convince them like that game against no, Liverpool no. he was immense and there's other games like that and when you can couple in the fact that he does genuinely love defending as you can see that on the pitch with his on the ball ability which is what you pay crazy money for these days yeah I think there's there's a lot to it but yeah as you said his personality to be hanging around with Ramsdale the amount of years like I think they're probably the closest they're each their closest mate at the club he, he's not going to be this completely boring dull bloke that people suggest he is because the two of them would just not match if that was the case and so I imagine it is it probably probably is just shy I thought when yeah. we said before the way he came across in that Sky Sports interview it was like I don't he probably came out of that not really thinking that he'd said anything that people were going to take issue with 
And then the big thing, we can point at the people that just say football was like a job to them. And he doesn't say that. He just says that he enjoys playing football. He isn't a fan of watching football. And because we all have this dream of having that job, anyone that doesn't kind of live it the way we feel we would, we take some kind of issue with just right from the jump. Unfortunately, you do anything long enough, it'll become a job as well. It doesn't matter. And you'll quickly forget. Yeah. You know, you'll forget how lucky you are to be doing that because it will become routine. And you don't get out of bed every morning and go, fuck me, I'm earning 100 grand a week to kick a ball. Otherwise, you'd be going around like um, uh, Michael Caine at the end of fucking Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> yeah. every, you'd be running around like, screaming, been so buzzing with your life, which just isn't feasible, wouldn't happen. The best thing that can happen for Ben White, though, is people from outside the club make noise because that really does just galvanise uh, yeah. supporters to get behind you. We touched on it with Xhaka, with best thing could, probably could have happened to him was Neville attacking him. Gets yeah. the Arsenal play, Arsenal fans around him. And I think there's been a bit of the case with Ben White. I haven't heard too much from Arsenal fans until, as you said, this uh, Saliba situation, which is going to be interesting to see how that plays out with the fans. But other than that, fans have been behind him from the jump as far as I've seen. It's only been some noise from outside the club that, like you said, some people just are never going to buy into it for whatever reason. I, I think if people feel that Saliba's just I don't think come he's in. quite as good as you do, by the way. But I do okay. really like him. But I don't think uh, he's quite what you do. But I'm not far off, but I think there's probably... He's probably yeah. the family members who don't think he's as good as you. So. Yeah. Well, I, I think that, that if people think that Saliba's just going to come into this team and push Ben White straight out, I, I don't think they understand the way that Arteta clearly feels about this player. And... I actually think yeah. you'd, you'd sooner see Gabriel leave this side than you'd see Ben White leave this side. Um, so I think people should buckle up if they aren't a fan of Ben White because you're probably going to be seeing a lot more of him. Interesting. Um, the Liverpool game then. You spoke about the words on You've the whiteboard before Wolves. Um, when I saw him write a great night, I thought, what the hell is coming here? Yes, yes. And then it starts, and I was nervous because I saw Smith Rowe breaking early. (laughs) And I thought, if this isn't supposed to be funny, you're in big trouble here. (laughs) And then I saw Arteta start waving his arms around saying, look, sometimes you just need someone who's a bit crazy. And I thought, okay, this is one of them. I still have no idea what this was supposed to do for the team before the game. (laughs) genuinely not a lie it seemed like someone that wants to brag that they can pull girls without just jumping straight to the conversation because he essentially says I saw my wife I thought I can't have her so I moved across another couple of girls and then came back to my wife by the way I met her in a nightclub did I mention that and she is really beautiful by the way (laughs) there's one point where he goes like uh, essentially I had to dig deep (laughs) I was in a nightclub I was up against it I was under the cosh I had to really dig in if I wanted to get the result that seemed to be the way he was going he had me hooked from the jump with this this is the best one I think like you said maybe the least applicable to anything uh, but hilarious absolutely incredible well Everyone is loving it. They're all in a great mood before the game. It's a good job you didn't get a hiding in this game because... I thought we actually did from memory. There there was so much hype for this game. Score-wise, I meant. 
Yeah, I, when I, I, I forgot it was only two. Like when I was watching it, I yeah. thought there was going to be more. But there was so much hype for this game. We had the two longest winning streaks um, in English yeah. football at the time. Uh, I think it was in it was in race week for us, which just added a bit because <laughs> we were going out in the day, um, and and we were so good early on. I remember we should have had a couple. I think Van Dyke makes a, makes a great block on Saka. I'm going to say yes, um, and then look in the post match press in the post match uh, speech. I don't ever really want to say here few teams can play like that against the best team in the world for 45 minutes. He does then say, but it's about extending that. But him opening his speech with, well, it wasn't a great night. (laughs) (laughs) But but it was kind of a, the way he said that was, uh, it wasn't a great night, but it's good to see all you lads. It's good to see you here. I showed your face. I thought that's where he was going to go at one point. Glad you turned up tonight, lads. Uh, I think the Villa game was so close that maybe he's tried the the Forest one. He slags us off. And, and I don't think we deserve to be slagged in the same way we did after the Forest game but he perhaps didn't get the bounce-back reaction that he was expecting. And so this time around, maybe he got the response after the City game that he that he liked and felt that was the way to go. Yeah, probably true. I think in this game against Liverpool, you probably want to relax them going in. So that's probably done the job. Because there's probably some PTSD from... I know you've had the first leg, but even the game earlier in the year... You don't yeah. want the players that in their mind thinking, oh, this could happen again to us. And and if if you said you liked it last week and after the, how shell-shocked everyone was, I imagine you quite liked Ben White's comment when he gets back oh, in the dressing room. Music to my ears. Oh, just every Is little it, chance they get, just so clinical. I was like, oh, Ben, Ben, say it again. Because the way he says it, it's not like complaining, is it? It's like in awe almost yeah yeah that, that's exactly it where he's he's kind of looking at it thinking we, we barely like put a foot wrong into from the defensive point of view he's probably thinking is it? and then it's just everything gets punished and i kind of like that more i prefer you to aspire to something than to just do the they're too good yeah like the yeah, way agreed. he said it made i imagine he's looking at robertson there and I mean, I hope he wasn't looking at Cedric like this is what you should be doing. <laughs> I actually forgot just how involved Cedric was. Just I didn't see him for the Palace yeah. game, and I forgot just how involved he actually has been throughout this season. Um, but the, there's one I, point I, where he's running at one point, and you yeah. can see like someone like Saka is taking everything he's got in him, not to say shut the fuck up, your shit, <laughs> as he's it's, running. I think it might be the Southampton game. He says something along the lines of, can you not see they're trying to get at me yeah. every time? Saka's yeah. gone, well, I do have to get up there at some point. Um, and then we close the episode out with Villa away. And there's, I mean, there's not much to say on this. We've got a bit from Ramsdale about dealing with an injury that puts him out for, what, one game? And nothing. Yeah. I forgot how bad that Pepe late foul was. <laughs> like Arteta gets up from his bench like that clip of Jose when his assistant tells him <laughs> yeah. the, the guy should have been booked 
it's the way this is shot as well. You're you're thinking, well, Villa obviously get a last minute equaliser. Then that's obviously what happens. It looked closer to um, Courtney Halsey's uh, head when Leno gets a hand on it. They, but I don't know if I did a the suitable angle. amount of tension to it, didn't they? Because I don't yeah. remember it being that. Yeah, like you said, that close. I remember it, it being close at the end, just because any time someone has a free kick in the last minute and there's a goal in it, you're like, oh god. Especially with an entirely preventable foul. Yeah. You always assume well that's going in then. Same as you know, if, if you give away like a corner that should you shouldn't have given away, well they're going to score from. Yeah. Them. Football manager, you see a highlight in stoppage time, you're like, oh for God. <laughs> um. This is the one where Gerard goes mental at uh, Des afterwards, isn't it? Is this the game, is it? Yeah, oh, it is, fuck. yeah. Oh, buckle up, Stevie, because I think you could have a few <laughs> more encounters with Des before this season's up. Yeah. But, I mean, that's the end here. The the, the preview we get for next week has <laughs> Arteta referencing Thomas Edison and getting the lights out <laughs> to flick a light bulb. <laughs> I, I can't believe my eyes. I want to see oh. your boys shine. I tell you what, if they wanted to reel you back in for next week's episode, they did the job. Well, I was thinking this is going to be very depressive, and I saw Saka and the Chelsea game, and thought, okay, all right, this is pretty good. But I think that just about does us for this week. So we got the final two episodes next week. Is it? Oh yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Well, thank you for listening to another three, hopefully, editions of the spitballing pod we will be back on monday with whatever's happened in the uh, weekend's premier league action and then movie madness as always next week and then these episodes again so a very busy week if you've tuned into everything on our channel we appreciate it and we'll be back adios